Welcome to the Believe and Follow podcast. I'm your host, James Rattazzi. For the last two weeks, we have been talking about God's grace and how we need to understand what God has done for us in order to live. I hope those discussions have been helpful to you. This week, the headlines are full of news about the Winter Olympics. Mirai Nagasu became the first American woman to land a triple axle at the Winter Olympics. Now those who know me know I'm not an athlete or an ice skater. In fact, I don't even like ice in my coke. But this headline caught my attention and I looked at the video and thought, wow, what an accomplishment. And it brought to my mind a number of passages where the Apostle Paul uses the figure of athletic competition to illustrate some important spiritual concept. Now those of you who are familiar with the Bible can easily guess where I'm going with this, but bear with me for the sake of those less versed in Scripture. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The words of the Apostle Paul here are not only about perseverance, but also about dedication and magnitude of effort. Mirai did not decide the week before to go to the Olympics and compete. This accomplishment is a result of years of effort and sacrifice. Not just effort, but specific effort. The Apostle Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. God is a God of specifics, and we must make a specific effort to attain to the spiritual crown that is available to us by God's grace. Just as Mirai Nagasu had to dedicate herself to specific training daily in order to be the first American woman to land a triple axel at the Winter Olympics. And so the Apostle Paul makes the point 
that this is the type of effort we must daily be putting into our quest for eternal life in Jesus Christ. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 10. Talking about Jesus, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And note also what the Apostle Paul says much later in his life, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. The title for this week's episode, Fight the Good Fight, comes from this passage. Now note in the passage above from Philippians, the Apostle Paul instructs us to join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Where do we find the information about the Apostle Paul so that we can join in imitating him? Well, the same place where we find the instruction to imitate him in the first place, in the Bible. An integral part of our ongoing daily training in righteousness must be time spent 
each day in God's word. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All these passages, by the way, are from the English Standard Version translation of the Bible. God is a God of specifics. We wouldn't have the Bible if we didn't need the Bible. In other words, there would not be these 66 books of specific instructions if it were not necessary. God has left us his instructions to follow, and if we want to be pleasing to God, we will follow his instructions. God is a God of specifics. The Apostle Paul speaks of the necessity of appointing qualified teachers to instruct the church properly concerning what pleases God. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. That's also in Second Timothy. That's chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Also note in the passage above from Philippians that there was, is, and will be opposition. Just as the dedicated athlete must compete against other dedicated athletes. That's the kind of effort God expects from us every day. If I'm running a race and I slack off on my effort before I hit the finish line, do I have any hope of winning the race? This is why the Word of God tells us that we must endure to the end. Look at the words of warning from Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 4 through 14. His disciples had just asked him about the signs of his return. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but beginnings of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But 
the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus warns us about the opposition we will be facing and also makes it clear that we need to endure to the end. Some translations say stand firm to the end. The figure of a competing athlete helps us to see clearly both of these concepts in action. I sometimes use this sports metaphor. Imagine you and I are in the middle of a football field and I'm explaining to you the game of football. I say, all you have to do is take this football and run it down to the end of the field. You say, that sounds simple enough, as I toss you the football and you turn and head for the end zone. It's at that moment you notice that there are 11 large individuals there and ready to stop you. So you need to take into account that there is an opposing team on the field if you plan to make it into the end zone. Fortunately though, there is also your own team on the field to work together with you to get you to the goal. Our spiritual life is not a solo activity. Scripture advises us to help and encourage one another just as the players must help their own team members in order for their team to win. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That's Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Let's go back to the passage that we started this all off with. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Is your spiritual life characterized by the sort of dedication and perseverance we see in the Olympic athlete? The answer that most of us would give is no. If not, then what can we do about it? As long as it is called today, we need to help and encourage one another. This is one purpose of this podcast. There are some who consider themselves spiritual but not religious. 
In other words, they do not participate in any sort of organized religious activity and believe this approach is acceptable to God. We can see from the passages that we looked at today that this is not so. Also, take a look at this passage from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's verses 23 through 25. So God expects us to meet together. And remember, God is a God of specifics. So he has included specific instructions in his word concerning how he wants these gatherings to be. It is definitely not sufficient to say, well, I'm a good person, so God will accept me and welcome me into eternal life, just as it would not have been sufficient for Mirai Nagasu to merely say, well, I'm a good skater, and expect to nail that triple axle. Do you get the connection here? A daily commitment is required in order for us to endure to the end, despite the opposition we will face, just as an athlete faces competition for the cherished prize. Let me know if you think I'm off base here. The text is very clear to me, and the more I study, the clearer this becomes. So let's make a commitment to help one another so that each of us, like the Apostle Paul, will be able to make the same claim at the end of our lives. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or even if you have any helpful suggestions, please feel free to email me at james at believeandfollow.org. That's all for now. Goodbye and God bless. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine. Sweeter also than honey